0: Let America be America again. Let America be America again. Let it be the dream it used to be. Let it be the pioneer on the plain seeking a home where he himself is free. America never was America to me. Let America be the dream the dreamers dreamed. Let it be that great strong land of love where never kings connive nor tyrants scheme that any man be crushed by one above. It never was America to me. Oh, let my land be a a land where liberty is crowned with no false patriotic wreath, but opportunity is real and life is free. Equality is the air we breathe. There has never been equality for me, nor freedom in this homeland of the free. Say, who are you that mumbles in the dark and who are you that draws your veil across the stars? I am the poor white, fooled and pushed apart. I am the negro bearing slavery's scars. I am the red man driven from the land. I am the immigrant, cl- clutching the hope I seek and finding only the same stupid plan of dog-eat-dog, dog, of mighty crush the weak. I am the young man, full of strengths and hope, Tangled in that ancient, endless chain Of profit, power, gain Of grab the land, of grab the gold Of grab the ways of satisfying need Of work the men, of take the pay Of owning everything for one's own greed I am the farmer, bondsman to the soil I am the worker sold to the machine I am the negro, servant to you all I am the people, humble, hungry, mean Hungry yet today, despite the dream Beaten yet today, O pioneers, I am the man who never got ahead, the poorest worker bartered through the years. Yet I'm the one who dreamt our basic dream in the old world while still a serf of kings, who dreamt a dream so strong, so brave, so true, that even yet its mighty daring sings in every brick and stone and every furrow turned that's made America the land it has become. Oh, I'm the man who sailed those early seas in search of what I meant to be my home, for I'm the one who left dark Ireland's shore and Poland's plain and England's grassy lea, and torn from black Africa's strand, I came to build a homeland of the free. The free, who said the free? Not me, surely not me, the millions on relief today, the millions shot down when we strike, the millions who have nothing for our pay, for all the dreams we've dreamed and all the songs we've sung and all the hopes we've held and all the flags we've hung, the millions who have nothing for our pay except the dream that's almost dead today. Oh, let America be America again, that land that has never yet been and yet must be, the land where every man is free, the land that's mine, the poor man, Indians, Negro, me, Who made America? Whose sweat and blood, whose faith and pain, whose hand at the foundry, whose plow in the rain, must bring back our mighty dream again. Sure, call me any ugly name you choose. The steel of freedom does not stain. From those who live like leeches on the people's lives, we must take back our land again. America. Oh yes, I say it plain. America never was America to me. And yet I swear this oath, America will be. Out of the rack and ruin of our gangster death, the rape and rot of graft and stealth and lies, we the people must redeem the land, the mines, the plants, the rivers, the mountains and the endless plain. All, all the stretch of these great green states and make America again.
1: Choose to bless the world, Rebecca Parker. Your gifts, whatever you discover them to be, can be used to bless or curse the world. The mind's power, the strength of the hands, the reaches of the heart, the gift of speaking, listening, imagining, seeing, waiting, any of these can serve to feed the hungry, bind up wounds, welcome the stranger, praise what is sacred, do the work of justice, or offer love. Any of these can draw down a prison door, hoard bread, abandon the poor, obscure what is holy, comply with injustice or withhold love. You must answer this question. What will you do with your gifts? Choose to bless the world. The choice to bless the world can take you into solitude to search for the sources of power and grace, native wisdom, healing, and liberation. More, The choice will draw you into community, the endeavor shared, the heritage passed on, the companionship of struggle, the importance of keeping faith, the life of ritual and praise, the comfort of human friendship, the company of earth, the chorus of life welcoming you. None of us alone and save the world. Together, that is another possibility, waiting. (coughs) The thing is, Ellen Bass, to love life, to love it even when you have no stomach for it and everything you've held dear crumbles like burnt paper in your hands, your throat filled with the silt of it. When grief sits with you, its tropical heat thickening the air, heavy as water, more fit for gills than lungs. When grief weights you like your own flesh, only more of it, an obesity of grief. You think, How can a body withstand this? Then you hold life like a face between your palms, a plain face, no charming smile, no violet eyes. And you say, yes, I will take you. I will love you again.
0: There is so much we don't know as we gather today. We know that Donald Trump will be our next president, but we don't know what that will mean for us, the people that we love and the values that we hold dear. We don't know what if his campaign talk will be made real in policy. But in the midst of this uncertainty, there are some things I know for sure, and I will share them with you today. I know that many of us are grieving, and this grief is only slightly about the us versus them, Democrats versus Republicans electoral system we have. It is a moral grief. This grief is about what a Donald Trump victory means and could mean. We grieve that someone who built his campaign on xenophobia, Islamophobia, homophobia, transphobia, misogyny, racism, hatred of people with disabilities, and all the other hatreds will be our next president. We grieve that so many of us and so many people that we love now feel less safe in this world. We grieve all of the incidents that have already happened in which people are attacked for their race or religion or national origin, and that has been happening here in Kalamazoo. We grieve what this election will mean for our planet, for healthcare, for reproductive justice, for world peace and stability, for immigration, for our economy, and for our lives. We grieve that our country is much further from the beloved community, the reign of love and justice, than we had thought it was. And we grieve that we have to explain all of this to our children, the, ch- the children in our lives, children who are scared about what all of this means for them and the people that they love, and children who are confused about why a man who acts in the ways that we have taught them not to is now rewarded with the presidency. And I know this, even to be grieving right now is a privilege. There are so many in our country for whom this massive outpouring of hatred that we are seeing is no surprise because they have been living in the crosshairs of that for a long time. Harleen Cower is an activist who practices the Sikh faith and she wrote this on election day. This has been a sobering day for most of us. While I felt sick, anxious, and on the verge of tears for the earlier half of the results, I reached a sudden calm shortly before midnight. This is not new. For people of color, immigrants, Muslims, and those impacted by Islamophobia, queer people, differently abled people, the working class, and more, this has always been our America. It simply did a semi-decent job at disguising itself for the last several years. Sure, the final results aren't in, but we've all seen enough to be told in numbers what we already knew. Anti-blackness, white supremacy, and xenophobia are the bedrocks of our society not freedom, not liberty for all. These are harsh words and they are true to the experience of so many in our country. They echo the words of Langston Hughes that America never was America to me. Our country has never yet lived into its promise. And this is not to make us any of us feel any sort of guilt about the grief we feel, but we need to hold the experiences of others as, even as we are in the midst of our own experience. There's a lot that I know about grief, and I had a whole section in here to tell you about grieving. And we're gonna cut that in the interest of time, but know to take care of your bodies, seek out community, find people who will listen to you and be patient because it is long and it is slow. But I need you all to do the work of grieving because soon we are going to need to do the work of acting on our values and we need to process through the grief to be able to do that in a whole and healthy and powerful way. So do that work and if you need help in doing that work, please seek me out or seek out other sources of support in your life. And our values. This is what I know about our values. The Electoral College cannot change them. Last Sunday, I stood here and told you that our faith calls us to recognize the inherent worth and dignity of every person. And our faith proclaims that all are worthy of love and care, no matter what. And that, that, along with the other principles written on our banners over here, are things that we hold true regardless of our political system and political outcomes. And so we keep doing what we've been doing. We keep being the form that love takes in the world. We keep living our values. We love our neighbors. We care for our families and our friends. We welcome refugees. We tutor and love our children at Lincoln School, and we love our children here at People's Church. We work to end racism within these walls and beyond them. We proclaim the equality of all people, regardless of gender identity or sexual orientation. We treat people with respect regardless of their political opinions, even if they don't respect us. I also know this. There will become times, and maybe you've already had these times, when we need to remind ourselves and remind one another of the full humanity of people who didn't vote as we did. Trump voters and Donald Trump himself have inherent worth and dignity. And as we prepare to oppose the potential policies of this new president, we remember that those who oppose us are worthy of love and respect. This is the challenge of universalism, and this is what our faith is calling on us, no matter what, and it is so hard. Whatever comes next, we need to remember this. We can't demonize people who disagree with us, even and maybe especially when they demonize us. This is how we maintain our integrity, and this is how we live our values. We believe that everyone is capable of transformation and by being in relationship with those who disagree with us, by treating them with respect, by approaching them with curiosity and compassion, we leave open the possibility of transformation for them and for us. This is not a call for unity. I'm not interested in a unity that is based on oppression. The unity we need is unity in an effort towards transformation and liberation for all people. I also know this. In the years ahead, our values might call on us to do more than we have done before. And I believe that we are ready for such a time as this. So we draw notes to our neighbors on the sidewalk. We lean into the relationships that matter to us, here and beyond these walls. We reach out to the people in our lives that we worry might be especially fearful in in these times. Muslims, survivors of sexual assault, people with disabilities, LGBT people, immigrants and refugees, and so many others. We tell them we care about them, and we will do all we we can do to keep them safe, and we mean it. We vow to act on that prophet, Promise if and when opportunity presents itself. We start getting organized. We have two months until the inauguration. We start making plans for how to keep ourselves and those we love safe. We make plans for how we are going to be the form that love takes in this world. We don't know how we will act to help America fulfill its promise. We don't know what will be required of us specifically but we will be required to do justice love mercy and walk humbly in this world and in the meantime we need to make ourselves as strong and resilient as possible practice self-care take care of your bodies and your souls engage in your spiritual practice cling to all the joy you can find and let it wash over you reminding you of what matters most. If we hold fast to our values in the coming years, I anticipate a lot will be required of us, and we need to build up the strength and resilience to do it. I also know this, there are many stories from history that will provide us a holy example of how we might face the challenges ahead. There's the stories of the abolitionist movement, including the story of Theodore Parker who said that the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. And he knew that this arc wasn't some passive thing that we get to trust in. It is an arc that we bend ourselves through our actions, our commitments, and our love. We remember the stories of the confessing church in Germany whose faith called them to oppose fascism, the stories of civil rights movements, movements for the liberation of gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender people, women's movements, and so many other liberation movements. We know that our circumstances are different, but we also know that others have responded to hate with love and transformed the world. It might be our chance next. I also know this. We were made for these times. As Unitarian Universalists, we are called to love the hell out of this world. And in the next few years, there might be new hells in this world, or we will be seeing hells that have always been here in different ways. And either way, we are called to meet them with the transforming power of love. Joanna Fontaine Crawford is a Unitarian Universalist minister in Texas, And she has written a short reflection about what it means to love the hell out of the world. And I'm going to share that with you to close. To love the hell out of the world means to love it extravagantly, wastefully, with an overpouring abandon and fervor that sometimes surprises even yourself. That love flows out of you, sometimes slow and steady, sometimes in a torrent, sometimes filled with joy, or sometimes with fierceness or anger or a heartbreaking pain that makes you say, no, no, I can't take it anymore. I can't do this anymore. It is too much, too much. But it's too late. You've opened up your own heart, your own mind, body, and strength, and yes, it is too much. But there's also so much love that comes crashing down on you. Gifts from the heavens in the form of the smiles and care from others. A giggle burbling up from a toddler's fat little belly. The soft, sweet smell of jasmine catching you unaware, not knowing where it came from. But it's here, and you're here, and just to live just to exist swells your heart with enough gratitude and love that you must release it or burst. And so you love. Love the hell out of this world again. To love the hell out of this world means to see with our hearts fragile and unprotected. To accept that life is shattering and excruciating. And to see the hell in a world, in a group, in a person, in a tear. To know that it is the experience of both the oppressor and the oppressed, as we are both. We love emphatically, actively, with our hands and feet, pushing the wreckage aside, reaching out, stretching until we fear our arms can go no further. But they do. We touch fingers with others, then grab on for dear life, pulling them out to safety, then going back to remove the hell itself, only to find hands waiting for us to pull us to safety, to the warmth, because we are both the savior and the saved. The hell is all around, and we work in great passionate swoops and in slow, plodding routines to put that extravagant love into action and remove all the bits of hell from the world. Misery, ill health, disease, viciousness of greed in the face of want, Voices that shout hate or whisper meanness, soul-eating addiction, humiliation, despair, and injustice that curls up nastily, poisoning the spirit of giver and receiver. We do not flee. Bone-chillingly afraid we may be, but we step forward. We are the only form that love will take and the work is ours to do. We are the only form that love will take, and the work is ours to do. So let us grieve as we need to. Let us become stronger and more resilient. Let us be a source of support and sanctuary for one another. Let us remember the holy examples. Let us be firm in our values and make them real in the world. Let us be guided by love as we carry on the work of bending the universe towards justice. So may it be so. May we make it so. And amen.